Hi, I'm Brad Constantine, and this is a Come Follow Me podcast of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Although this is not an official podcast of the church, every effort has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. This year's study is the Book of Mormon. Each week, a new summary podcast of that week's Book of Mormon chapters will be released. But if you want a more detailed analysis of each individual chapter, those will also be available to listen to. I hope this Come Follow Me resource will be helpful to you. As always, you can subscribe to this podcast so you'll be notified each week of a new episode. I hope you like this uh, format. Thank you. Hi, welcome back to the Come Follow Me Book of Mormon podcast. This is going to be lesson number seven, which will cover 2 Nephi chapters 6 through 10, and it will also be for the period February the 10th through the 16th. So now we're going to begin with some words of Jacob here. It mentions the brother of Nephi, and he's being commanded to speak. And it mentions in verse 2 that he was ordained after the manner of his holy order, which is always meaning that this is the Melchizedek priesthood order that they uh, or are, are ordained by. Often when we read that they were ordained teachers and priests, it doesn't necessarily mean a position uh, like we have in the priesthood, teachers and priests, but this just meant that it was descriptive of their callings or their assignments. Um, down to verse uh, 5, uh, the words which I shall read are they which Isaiah spake. So he's going to be reading from Isaiah. I wonder if this, uh, this meeting where he's speaking is a general conference. Um, being commanded by his brother to speak at one of the sessions here. Um, but he's going to be quoting from Isaiah quite a bit. Um, thus, in verse 6, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will lift up mine hand to the Gentiles and set up my standard to the people. He's talking here about in the last days, the coming forth of the gospel, the church of Jesus Christ in the last days. Um, and so as he's quoting from Isaiah here, mentioning in verse 7 about the kings and queens will be their nursing mothers and fathers. Um, verse 8, uh, um, Jacob is speaking concerning um, those things that are in Isaiah. Uh, the Lord has shown me that they were at Jerusalem, have been destroyed, uh, or been carried away captive. Uh, but then in verse 9, he says that the Lord shown unto him that they should return again to Jerusalem. Uh, and that'll be prior to Jesus's uh, mortal ministry when the Jews return back. Uh, verse 11, then he talks about the scattering and the, and the gathering of Israel. Um, and that's kind of the theme of Isaiah. A lot of it is the scattering and the gathering of Israel. Uh, verse 13, he, say, he mentions that the people of the Lord are those who wait for him. And uh, hopefully we're waiting for the second coming. We're doing what we can to get ready and prepare and watch for it. Um, but that means that we are his people if we're looking forward to that. Verse 14, he mentions that the Messiah will set himself again the second time to recover the house of Israel, which is talking about the restoration of the gospel, which has already been started, which is in its, on its way. Uh, verse 17, he mentions that the mighty God shall deliver his covenant people, uh, even though there might be destructions and, and pestilences and things happening in the last days, but he'll deliver his people. Uh, down into chapter 7, then, this is... Uh, the same as Isaiah chapter 50. Uh, so we begin uh, another chapter of Isaiah here. Um, and so uh, this is, uh, again, um, some of the imagery here. Isaiah is talking about the Savior, uh, that he'll, uh, a lot of these prophecies then are just about him. Uh, down to verse 4, uh, he mentions that the Lord gave me the tongue of the learned. Christ will speak with great knowledge and eloquence. Um, he will know what to say at the right time. He receives revelation. Um, it mentions in verse 5 uh, 
I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. In other words, Jesus is going to completely fulfill his mission. Verse 6, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. Uh, so the servant uh, has given his cheeks to those who pluck out the hair. The oriental regarding the beard is a sign of freedom and respect, and to pluck out the hair of the beard is to show utter contempt. Now we know that uh, it doesn't mention in the scripture about Jesus' beard being being uh, taken out uh, while he was being punished or afflicted, uh, but I wonder if all the other prophecies about him uh, were fulfilled if that one wasn't too. That would explain if, if Jesus lost his beard during the trial and and uh, the scourging, I wonder if that was another reason why Peter could say, I don't know who that is, because he wouldn't have recognized him or could have used that as an excuse. Just a, I don't know, just a question. Uh, verse 6, he says, I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. And this is the suffering that Jesus is going to go on our behalf. Verse 7, he says, I set my face like a flint, meaning he was not um, diverted from his mission, from his uh, going through the atonement, going through the crucifixion. He was set on doing that and nothing got in the way of that. Uh, it talks about his uh, sorrow. Let's go to chapter 8, which is also Isaiah 51. Um he mentions in verse 3, the Lord shall comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places, uh, which meant that Jerusalem is going to be restored. Uh, the earth will be renewed and receive its paradisiacal glory, um, which will be um, at the millennium when the Savior returns. Uh, verse 4, uh, the Latter-day Saints are the Lord's people. And the law has now come. It, it is the fullness of his everlasting gospel. And by it will be judged the world. And it now stands as a light to everyone. Uh, verse 5, my righteousness is near, which means the millennial day is almost here. Um, my salvation has gone forth. In other words, the gospel is being preached throughout the world. Uh, verse 7, he tells all men to hearken to the words of the of God and, and to uh, obey as they hear it. Verse 11, therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion. I wonder if that's talking about the uh, tabernacle choir. Um, everlasting joy and holiness shall be upon their heads, meaning priesthood ordinances from the temple. Uh, they shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. And again, that's the millennial condition. Verse 16, I have put my words in, the, I have put my words in thy mouth. Uh, so this is an expression that means that the Lord Jehovah is placed upon his people and they know the name by which they are called. Uh, down to verse uh, 18. Uh, none to, there's none to guide Israel. This means this means that the, that Israel lost both the priesthood and the gifts of the Spirit. Um, he mentions in verse 19, these two sons are coming to thee. In other words, God has sent two priesthood holders to assist and bless Israel or Jerusalem. Um, and uh, it talks about the sword and the famine. Uh, but then in verse 20, it says, thy sons have fainted. In other words, those that uh, were had been that were supposed to be the leaders of Israel, they have not fulfilled their responsibilities. Uh, they've not done well. But then it says that save these two, these other two sons. They lie at the head of all the streets as a wild bull in a net. They are full of the fury of the Lord and the rebuke of thy God. Now this, uh, in taking just that alone, it kind of makes it not very clear as to what he's talking about. But when we take it in connection with other scriptures, uh, specifically in book of Revelation, chapter 12, verses 2 to 12, it talks about these two sons or these two men that are called to serve in Israel. Um, and that uh, these two great prophets, which will prophesy in the streets of Jerusalem for three and a half years, 
um, and that they will be there to protect and defend uh, Jerusalem during the Battle of Armageddon that will take place uh, in Jerusalem and around the area, and that these two prophets uh, will will be uh, slain. Uh, in Doctrine and Covenants section 77, it talks about, uh, it has some questions about uh, these two. It mentions uh, in, in, in verse 15, it says, what is, what is to be understood by the two witnesses in the 11th chapter of Revelation? And the answer is they are two prophets that are to be raised up to the Jewish nation in the last days at the time of the restoration and to prophesy to the Jews after they are gathered and have built the city of Jerusalem in the land of their fathers. So apparently this is after the temple has been built in Jerusalem that uh, these two prophets will be called. And as Elder McConkie said that uh, knowing, um, he says, no doubt they will be members of the council of the 12 or of the first presidency of the church and that their prophetic ministry to rebellious Jewry shall be the same length as our Lord's personal ministry among their rebellious forebears. So we know that uh, there will be at least a couple of prophets that will be called to serve in Jerusalem um, prior to the second coming and that they will be either members of the 12 or members of the first presidency. Um, so then let's go down to chapter 9 of 2 Nephi. Um, and again, this is a continuation um, of a talk here. Um, he says in verse 1, Now, my beloved brethren, I have read these things that ye might know concerning the covenants of the Lord that he has covenanted with all the house of Israel. Um, down to verse uh, 4, I know that ye have searched much, many of you, to know of things to come. And that's our object is to know of things that are going to happen in the future so we can be prepared for that. Uh, verse 6, For as death hath passed upon all men, to fulfill the merciful plan. So death is a mercy for us. Uh, we don't want to be here forever. We want to go on to the next part of our lives here, uh, next into the spirit world. Um, and so because of the fall and transgression of Adam, that we are uh, allowed to do that. Uh, but verse 7, it says, Wherefore there must needs be an infinite atonement. And so this atonement of Jesus Christ is not just for our earth, but it's for all the planets that God has ever created or ever will. Um, and that because of the atonement, then we will become resurrected and regain our bodies again, and that those will be inseparably connected to our spirits. He says uh, in verse 7 that if that had not happened, uh, that this flesh must have laid down to rot and to crumble to its mother earth to rise no more. So once death had come, that would have been the final end of us had it not been for an atonement. Um, but in verse 9, we would have been, been miserable like uh, the devil and been with him forever. We would have become sons of perdition ourselves. Verse 10, oh, how great the goodness of our God uh, to, to for our escape from the grasp of his awful monster, even death and hell. So uh, death and hell will, will not have a continual grab on us because of the atonement of Christ. Um, verse 13, oh, how great the plan of our God. For on the other hand, the paradise of God must deliver up its spirits of the righteous. In other words, everybody's going to be resurrected, both the wicked and the righteous. Uh, verse 14, uh, we shall have a perfect knowledge of all our guilt and all our uncleanness and our nakedness. In other words, when he says nakedness, that means that those that are not covered by the atonement will be subject to the penalties of sin. Those, of, those, that, are, uh, those that have repented, uh, the, the covenant or the uh, atonement will cover them <clears throat> and they'll be forgiven and become as though they had never sinned. Uh, he mentions here the, the righteous shall have a perfect knowledge of their enjoyment and their righteousness being clothed with purity, yea, even with the robe of righteousness. And that's our goal is to repent continually so that we can be forgiven of our sins. 
Um, verse uh, 17, the greatness and the justice of our God, for he executeth all his words. Down to verse uh, 19, the greatness of the mercy of our God, the Holy One of Israel, for he delivered, delivereth his saints from that awful monster death, devil and death. Uh, the holiness of our God, for he knoweth all things. There's not anything safe he knows it. Isn't it comforting to know that God knows everything? He's not still learning. Uh, he's not uh, finding a new plan of salvation. Uh, the plan that we have is the plan of salvation for everybody, not just on this earth, but on every other planet throughout the entire universe. Uh, and that's because this is the only plan that works. Uh, verse 21, he cometh into the world that he may save all men if they will hearken unto his words. He suffereth the pains of all men, yea, the pains of every living creature, both men and women and children who belong to the family of Adam. And like I said, it's not just those on this planet, it's all the other planets that he's created. And then in 22, that there will be a judgment day. Everybody will stand before God to give an accounting of his deeds in the, in the flesh. Uh, verse 23, he commandeth all men that they must repent be baptized in his name. Verse 24, if they will not repent and believe in his name and be baptized and endure to the end, they must be damned for the Lord God will, the Holy One of Israel has spoken. In other words, they won't progress uh, beyond uh, whatever kingdom they attain to if it's not the celestial kingdom. Uh, and he mentions if there's no punishment, then there's no condemnation. Um, and so there has to be this opposition again for the atonement satisfies the demands of justice in verse 26 upon all those who have not the law given. Uh, so those in, those that don't have a law will be uh, inherit the terrestrial kingdom. Um, he mentions in verse uh, 28, the cunning plan of the evil one, uh, that they when they think they're wise, they hearken not to the counsel of God, for they set it aside, uh, but they shall perish. He mentions verse 29, uh, to be learned is good if you hearken to the counsels of God. Uh, verse 30, woe unto the rich who are rich as to the things of the world. Um, so we need to make sure that we're balancing things there. Uh, he mentions in, uh, again, verse 41, uh, come unto the Lord. In other words, repent. Uh, remember uh, that his paths are righteous. Um, verse 42, those who knock will be opened. And the wise and the learned and they that are rich who are puffed up because of their learning, they, they will not... Uh, he will not open to them. Uh, verse 46, prepare your souls for the glorious day when, when the judgment occurs. Um, and he says in verse 47, I, I should awake you to an awful reality of these things, uh, to harrow up your minds uh, so that you can um, repent of your sins and, and uh, do the things we're supposed to. Um, verse 50, come my brethren, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come buy and eat. And come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Uh, again, so the price of, of uh, repentance is, uh, or the price of salvation is repentance through the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, verse 54, uh, I would speak more. So uh, he's going to come back and speak on the next day of general conference. So chapter 10 uh, is Jacob's continuing uh, his talk the next day. Um, verse uh uh, verse four, um, the mighty—he's talking about the the mighty works that Jesus is going to do. Um, in verse three, he says, "I say unto you, it must needs be expedient that Christ—this uh, is the name that the angel gave him—that uh, he should come into the world and be crucified." And now remember that crucifixion was not uh, a penalty for 
the Jews of the Mosaic Code prescribe that the penalty of death is, is in four different forms, stoning, burning, beheading, or strangling, but it wasn't crucifixion. That was a Roman uh, form of punishment, which didn't even occur until around the time of Christ. Uh, so it's pretty remarkable that the prophecies are talking about a, a form of punishment uh, that didn't even exist at the time. Uh, verse 10, he mentions that the Gentiles will be blessed upon the land. Uh, verse 11, that this land will be a land of liberty unto the Gentiles and that no kings will be upon the land. It's interesting to note that uh, in North and South America, there is no, there are no kings upon any of the countries that we have. We might have a few dictators here and there, but uh, there's no kings. Um, and that has to do with uh, what was called the, the Monroe Doctrine uh, back in in the day um, when that was first established, and it's kind of a miracle that uh, that that's even happened. Verse 12 mentions that uh, America will be fortified against all other nations, and that he will fight against those that fight against him. Um, and that and in verse 14 he's saying that uh, he that raiseth up a king against me shall perish, for I, the Lord, the King of Heaven, will be their king. So, as long as we have Jesus as our as our king. Uh, for this country, uh, then we'll be protected. But as soon as we we stray from that and are no longer a Christian uh, or Judeo-Christian nation, then uh, we can't count on the Lord's protection. And so we need to make sure that we do that. Uh, verse 23 is good counsel. Therefore, cheer up your hearts and remember that you are free to act for yourselves, to choose the day of everlasting death or the way of eternal life. And so we, we can, we have joy in the fact that we have freedom of, of uh, agency, to be able to choose right and wrong, to choose our actions, and to uh, to, to choose uh, Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. I bear testimony to the truth of these things. If you want more details of these particular chapters, you can find them on the podcast site also, where individual chapters are found. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hope you like this, and if you do, let your friends know, and come back the next, next time, and, and we'll do this again. Thanks. Bye.